Welcome back to Dreadcast. I'm your host, Shaza Shah. This podcast is an audiobook series, a collection of original short stories written and narrated by myself. I'm a 20-year-old student from Britain and I write fiction. I'm not affiliated with any company and I don't have a production team. In fact, I use my phone to record and I edit the audio myself. All of the music, including our main theme, is produced by So Frozen Music, who you can find on YouTube. Check out the links in the description. I've been working on a ton of stuff since the last chapter, which I can now share with you guys. We have a website now, dreadcastaudio.com, which will basically act as a central hub for the show. Here you can find all our social media links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, which if you're not already doing so, please follow us to keep up to date on all our recent updates. On the website you can also find our podcast through YouTube, where we'll always have every episode available. Of course, you can also listen to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Player FM. You can also help to support the show if you enjoy it and if you want more episodes more frequently. Consider donating to our Patreon or through PayPal. All details are available on dreadcastaudio.com where you can also find the shop. You can check out our merchandise which will also help to support the show. If you'd like to send in stories of real life experiences, fan art, letters or if you just want to say hi, email us at dreadcastaudio@gmail.com. For business inquiries, email us at info at dreadcastaudio.com Remember to leave a like or a rating on iTunes as well as telling your friends to listen I want to thank everyone for the kind words and the support given for our last chapter and now without further ado our next story a story about a thief on a train pursued by police he pretends to be someone else so he can hide among the passengers but what dark secrets are they hiding will they find out who he really is enjoy Dreadcast Audio presents Interchange Written and narrated by Sheza Shah Yeah, okay It's pretty messed up, I know Look, I didn't have much of a choice They were after me He wasn't even paying attention It's not like I heard him or anything No, I'm not, I'm not like that I'm not one of those kinds of people I'm not saying I'm a saint or anything My hands are red too He just made it so easy, you know? He was practically asking me to take it. I'd like to say that I don't usually do this sort of thing, but it's become sort of a bad habit. The old man sat there outside the platform gates with his ticket in hand, eyes shut, mouth a little open. The opportunity was like it was God-given. The old man might as well have tied a bow on the damn thing. I knew even then, but I couldn't keep getting away with it. I knew that one day, it would get me into a kind of trouble that I couldn't talk my way out of. A price that I wouldn't be able to bargain with. But I also knew what would happen to me if they caught me. So this whole thing started a few days back, maybe a week. No, no, even before that. It's all led to this. Let's say I'm not the greatest investor. Okay, yeah. I admit, I'm not exactly Richard Branson, okay? A few years back, I put an embarrassing amount of money into this networking, multi... No, okay, yeah. It it was a pyramid scheme. My cousin got me involved in it, and it wasn't like I was making much as a janitor, even after I sold some of the things that I'd swiped now and then. So hey, why not? <laughs> i tell you why not. I put a lot of damn money into that scam. They told me I'd make huge profits in no time by signing up other dumbasses like myself, which itself wasn't a problem. I've always been able to talk my way around things. The guys back in England 
where I grew up as a kid. Called it the gift of the gab. I still got a little hint of the accent if you listen close. We moved to the States, my mom and me, after she was diagnosed. They said it was too late for her, so we left for America so she could be with her family, except they wanted nothing to do with her after she ran away to marry my father, who lived in Britain. They met in college. He left us both too, didn't even try the whole going for a pack of cigarettes from the store thing. Wouldn't have made sense, I guess. He wasn't a smoker. Mom's family didn't know about her condition. She didn't want them to accept her back just because they felt sorry for her. So she took care of me on her own, for as long as she could. There was strength in her, even then. Anyway, I digress. So, I got together some people in my downline who I'd get a cut from. The way it works is you get money from the people under you. The more people under you, the more you make. One problem, though. Long story short, the goods we sold were defective. Cheap, shitty electronics. When our buyers found out, and to no one's surprise, wanted their money back, I went to the guys above me, except there were no guys above me. Not anymore. They were gone. Took the money and ran. Those snake oil salesmen vanished into thin air along with my investments, leaving me with a bunch of angry customers. The thing is, those guys knew what they were doing. They played me. They played us all. Not one trace of them. So I couldn't even prove what they did. Instead, me and a couple of other guys took a fall and had to spend 16 months in the joint. 16 months of my life was stolen from me. When I got out, I didn't have a lot of places or people to turn to. I mean, maybe I could have gone back to that janitor job back at the high school, which I left after my idiot cousin assured me I'd make bank of that scheme, even if my brand new criminal record didn't screw me out of it. I already had. You'd think the principal would have forgotten my drunken tirade and the warm stool I left on his desk, which fertilized the garden of papers laid there. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to take some time for him to get over. So I met a couple of guys, nice guys, you know? While I was in jail, I mean. If you want to come out of that place whole, you got to get in with the right guys. The first guy, they called him Big K. He had a real mean reputation on the surface. You wouldn't think that. He looked like a nice guy, big bushy beard, kind of like a cuddly South Asian Santa Claus. But if you so much spoke to him inside of your neck, or asked him something that rubbed him the wrong way, or maybe he just didn't like the look on your face, <laughs> let's just say you'd be leaving prison a lot sooner than you thought. Though, you wouldn't be going home. You could see the humanity in his eyes, just vanish like smoke, replaced with the mist of hunger. Hunger for violence. Something grew in those eyes. It was like witnessing the conception of wrongdoing, the birth of disregard for man. Excuse me, he'd say, in a tone that sounded not like he was expecting, but hoping for a reply. His voice was laced with a sort of numbing venom that calmly assured you of nothing good. You couldn't help but feel a sort of isolation, as if it were just you and him standing there. What happened next would feel like a jump through time. In the next few seconds, he'd have sunken his yellow, grimy teeth into your jugular, or as close as he could damn well get, like a king cobra leaping from its nest. The other guy was a real stocky fella. The kind of guy you couldn't really just tell whether he was fat or incredibly muscular. But you sure as hell wouldn't want to find out. They called him Lemon. Though I have my doubts whether that's his real name. Nobody carries a baby in their womb for nine months and ends up naming it Lemon. 
makes you wonder, what would a guy have to do to get that kind of name? I couldn't just ask him, obviously, so I asked around. Not Big K, definitely not asking Big K. I asked some of the other guys. Now, I don't know if this is true. Apparently, they call him Lemon because he used to work at a takeout place down Fifth Avenue. He found out that the owner of that place was seeing his sister, his younger sister. So he waited on his last shift at the place. He waited. They were about to close shop. That creep made plans to see Lemon's sister right after. Lemon called him over and took him back into the kitchen, patiently waiting all that time for the right moment to do with him what he pleased. The guy walked through those doors into the kitchen where Lemon waited. He'd waited enough. He swung at the owner and smashed the side of his face with a hot frying pan, still sizzling with oil, which bubbled and popped. Lemon picked him up and threw his body across a chopping table, like he might have with a dirty, wet rag into the washing machine. His body crashed like a wave across the table, where he lay still, though conscious. Lemon walked over and held him down with those huge paws of his, grunting and wheezing. His anger, not fatigue, left him slightly out of breath then let him go. He walked over to the huge microwave plugged into the wall nearby as the owner tried to recover, shouting for help. His pleas burst into screams as Lemon dropped the microwave onto his groin, pinning him to the table. Lemon grabbed a handful of chopped lemons, fresh from the pile of salad on the table, and squeezed every drop into the owner's eyes before rinsing the pulp through his sockets. The poor guy shrieked and yelled for mercy as a sting of acid sizzled in his corneas. If you ask me, he deserved it. Yeah, you're the boss, but there are certain things you can't take from a man. Every free thief knows that. You take what the mark lets you take. Anything more and you've crossed the line. Take his dignity. You've crossed the line. What? You don't think the owner was a thief? Paying him less than minimum wage? Getting away with it because Lemon was an illegal immigrant? <laughs> what do you call that? We're all goddamn thieves. Some of us are chosen to be punished. So, they were nice guys, like I said. I got out around the same time they did, and I was looking to make some money. We had a little operation going on together, and they cut me in. They let me borrow some money, you know, so I could pay rent, and in return, I just had to do a few jobs for them. I mean, I didn't have to, though they did threaten to poke holes in my neck with a screwdriver, but they were probably joking, right? What a bunch of kidders. So, the job. All I had to do was keep a lookout for the guys while they borrowed some stuff from a couple stores. Look, people had already branded me a criminal for a crime I had no part in. Who's to say I don't go and prove them right? Plus, I needed the money. Something which, if I had a lot more of, I might have even beaten the case when I got arrested. Could have hired a better lawyer than that car salesman caricature I had. I'm not going to let an opportunity to get my own back get away from me. They took 16 months from me. Nah, but don't worry. They weren't mom and pop stores or nothing. I'm not completely heartless. A couple chain stores, pharmacies, that sort of thing. They're owned by faceless, rich, smug old guys who probably get involved in those eyes-wide-shut parties. Besides, they're insured of the ass for like twice the value. If anything, those tax-dodging elitists are robbing us. Robbing us all. I was just taking a little back. I never meant anyone to get hurt. I swear. A few weeks later now, we've made ourselves a name. 
Doesn't shine in lights would have brought my mother shame. You might have thought we were making money like pretty pennies polished, made a little, but it wasn't going all that great, to be honest. Cause a lot of it had either shot up his arm, it was self-medication, sometimes self-harm. Snorted off the now dirty wooden table his younger brother made, how'd he go from shop glass to a shot glass? Memories of the ninth grade. He didn't tell me, but I'd heard about him. On guilty nights, he couldn't sleep without him. Kay's younger brother wasn't around anymore. His time came around that night when he closed the car door. Kay was driving him home on his way back. A fifth of vodka in his liver burned out on crack. All of his reactions slowed down, but his hands still shook. Do you think a different man would have seen that damn truck? You think a sober hand could have spared the life he took? Trusted from above to look after Lil K. People talking like two lost sheep were bound astray. He was trusted to be his brother's keeper. His soul was never whole. He was the reaper. Ask what lived in his eyes. It was the fever. It tore him up inside. The cops kept asking him what, where, and why. He didn't want to give any answers. He just watched his little brother die. And he was the reason why. Next few years, he spent them in prison, talked a lot so he wouldn't have to listen. Used to think it's sad to think, but after it all, came home to nothing but sweet alcohol. Drinking to forget what the drink let him do. Don't think the irony was lost on him, he knew. But like I said, our little operation wasn't going so great. We need the money. Impatient scumbags sure as hell wouldn't wait. What happened until that day, and I'm so damn sorry. It was me, Lemon, and Kay. They had their bag full of toys. We hit up all the stores, trying not to make a noise. We couldn't hit the big places anymore. They plastered our faces in the back of the door. We were sick to our souls without a cure. We didn't have a lot. We wanted a lot more. Ancient remedies and palm readings here let us tell you the future. Late at night, walked in a couple of rats from the sewer. I know I should have said something. When it came down to it, I had nothing. You were in the back, cleaning up shop. Case saw you got mad, pulled out his Glock. Sometimes I wish I would have stopped him. As blood lit the room, the lights stayed dim. Did I know what he was going to do? If I did, why didn't I make a move? Why? Why didn't you listen to Kay? What did you have to prove? Looking back, I think even Kay must have been scared. You didn't step back, you just stood and stared. You looked right at me, like you were printing a copy, my face in your mind. As it came to your time, you dropped to the ground, eyes wide, screaming loud. The worst part was that I just left you there. I took off. I'm sorry. I was just so scared. That was the last I saw of Lemon and Kay. I looked back for a brief moment to see them line their pockets with whatever glimmered in that dank old basement shop. The money wasn't a concern of mine anymore. I felt sick to my stomach looking at that poor guy, twitching on the ground, muttering something through mouthfuls of his own blood. You can't smell what that smell like in the movies, or taste the faint mist of iron that binds to the air. It almost makes me wretch just thinking about it. I escaped into the alley before the others noticed I was gone. I pulled down my hood and just thought to myself for a while as I, as I hurried through the cold. I know I'm a criminal. I'm a bad guy. I've done bad things. But this, this wasn't what I thought would happen. The life I've lived, was it always leading to this?
Could I be nothing more? Call me a rat. Call me a goddamn rat. I don't care. As soon as I got to a payphone, I dialed for an ambulance. Next few nights went by like a bad trip. My lack of sleep gave me a surreal view of the world, as if I had one foot in reality, the other in a place where nothing could grow. A barren wasteland. That was my nightmares. I couldn't see anything except his face when I closed my eyes at night. A voice like shadow. She killed herself, you know. The voice would steal every moment of rest that I sought. I hadn't heard from Kay and Lemon since then. Where the hell were they? I didn't think too much of it. I was glad they didn't call me. I wanted nothing, nothing to do with them or that kind of life anymore. I saw what it led to. I could be a man like Kay if I kept that path. I would be a man like Kay. I was barely living off of what we took from our last job. My mom used to say that as a little kid, I'd be amazed that there would always be food in the refrigerator. It was never empty. Yeah, I know, that's ridiculous, but I was a little kid, cut me some slack. My mom never really took me shopping. Guess she didn't want me to see her steal. Runs in the blood, eh? But for a short time, I believed that the things we took, the things we lost, could come back. The innocence of it. <laughs> Believing that something could give and give and never stop giving. Believing that you could just keep taking and it would never stop. Believing that what was gone would come back to us. I wished she could come back. As soon as I ran out of food from living like a hermit, I starved over those few days. My head felt light as a balloon and as if it could pop at any second. I noticed them. Don't think I didn't. Every day when I would go out, I saw them. The paranoia of the guilty. My hands were stained with the blood that I couldn't wash away. I was losing my mind, afraid that every man in blue was watching, surveilling me. They're watching me, I think to myself. Why do cops make you feel so nervous? Even if you haven't done anything, admit it, a cop looks at you and you get a little nervous. Imagine how it is when you have done something. Maybe Kay and Lemon got caught. Gunshots get reported to the police in hospitals, right? Maybe someone saw me leaving that place, or maybe one of the guys sold me out, blamed me for the whole thing. Was that why I was being followed? Everywhere I looked, I saw a cop. Clearly, they were looking for me. They were planning, you see, the best way to take me. They had me like a deer in headlights. They just wanted to watch me squirm before they hit the gas. But I was always just far enough to spot them first. They didn't shoot him. So why do my hands shake like I did? Why do my hands still feel the recoil of a gun? A few more days passed since it happened. It felt like years. Time must go slower in the circle of hell. Then came the day where I got caught. I admit, I let my guard down. I was so tired. I was so hungry. It was a day before Christmas. Christmas Eve. I left my hole and headed down to a small grocery store a couple blocks away. Into the frosty wind, the sludge of the snow clung to my shoes, attempting to halt my pace. I've been living like a hermit for those past few days, scared of getting caught, so I rarely went out. I had whittled and shrunk so quickly in that time, like a plant starved of sunlight. 
I grabbed a sandwich from the store. I had only a few dollars in my name. I was about to move to the till. That's when an officer came in and started talking to the owner. He hadn't seen me yet, so I turned away from him. Oh, God. Was he asking about me? I thought to myself. They, they were still looking for me. I'm sure of it. I crouched onto the ground behind the shelf of canned food and ate the sandwich there and then. Hesitantly at first, then frantically. Like a savage. The hunger was too much. The bubbling of acid in my belly traveled its aura into my throat. Greedily, I gnawed at the bread to fill my stomach as fast as I could, sedating its violent growling. Bits of lettuce and tuna littered the floor as I hastily attacked the sandwich with my teeth. After I'd finished, I picked up the bits of its carcass left on the floor and piled it into my mouth. Then I stooped further and licked the crumbs from the tiles. Not my proudest moment. Lucky for me, the, the owner was so distracted in conversation with the officer that he didn't spot me on one of the monitors. He probably would have thought I'd gone crazy, gone full wild man or something. I got up to leave. I'd spent too long there. I headed for the door, but in my haste, I clumsily bumped into a rack of cheap sunglasses. The officer looked right at me, and I looked back right at him. I didn't waste any time and threw the rack to the ground behind me as I ran as fast as I could, tearing through the snow. Hey, wait! Everywhere I looked, I saw more of them. They were everywhere. They wanted to get me, I'm sure of it. I know they were following me. I sped past the crowds of people, trying to lose the cops. I looked back and I saw the same one not far behind, looking for me. I needed to get away. I couldn't go back to the apartment. They'd seen my face. They could have probably figured out where I lived by asking the owner at the store. There was no way back, so I headed forwards. I ran in the only direction that I saw clear of my stalkers, into the sea of people, scattered and clustered around the crossing. I ended up near the old train station. It was the only route I could find away from then. Then I thought this was in my favor. I thought it was my only choice. I knew I had to leave town. I hoped that being so far away from it all would return my sleep to me. I couldn't see any cops around, but I knew they wouldn't be far away. I had to keep going before they caught up. But I couldn't just hop on the train and hide from the ticket vendors when I got on, like I used to when I was a kid. When my mom couldn't afford to pay for us both. Ah, mom. Back in those days, it wasn't much better. But at least I had her. They had barriers now. At the train station, I mean. Before you even got onto the platform. Barriers, guarded by staff. I stood in the waiting area by the ticket vendor's office, struggling to think of some way that I could get across. You see, when I bumped into that rack of sunglasses and fell, I must have dropped the money I had in my pocket. Though even if I still had it, I don't think it would have gotten me far enough. I looked around, desperately. I couldn't concentrate hard enough to think of a plan. The cops would be here any moment now. They were going to take me back to prison, and this time I'd be there for a long time. Everything was rushing through my mind like a movie on fast forward, skipping to the climax where it all goes wrong. And it didn't help that this old guy was snoring like an elephant. I looked over at him. He was sat there with his ticket in his hand, snoring away. He was snoring. I didn't need a plan. This guy was literally asleep. I could just take his ticket and leave. I know he was wrong, but he was asleep. He probably would have missed the train anyway. Nobody else was paying him any attention. I walked over, keeping one eye on him and one on everyone else. He was sat there with his mouth gaping open, his warm breath marking the cold air. 
wheezing and snoring in his deep sleep, a sleep that I envied sorely. His arms were folded around his body, one hand loosely held, to my fortune, a ticket. Might as well call me Charlie, cause that damn thing was golden to me. My ticket away from this mess. I stood by him, keeping my ears tuned to his breathing, my back to him, and watched for anyone who might see me. When I was sure, I slipped the ticket from his fingers and briskly headed for the gate. I glanced down at the ticket as I walked up to the gate. Leonard John Adams, cabin 5A, platform 4, 1632, Greenford Interchange. Greenford? I'd never heard of that place. Must have been quite far away. Perfect. That's exactly what I needed. One of the guys working there looked at me, waiting for me to show him my ticket. Leonard's ticket. For all he cared, I was Leonard John Adams. I showed him my ticket and walked anxiously past him. I looked up at a nearby clock to check the time. 16.30. Oh shit. I better hurry to the platform, or I'll miss the train, I thought. I climbed the stairs fast enough to get there in time. Just in time. I reached platform four and looked in awe at what stood before me. I had never seen this kind of train before, not in person at least. Believe me, this train had come out of nowhere. Never had I even seen it here before. It was like one of those old-fashioned locomotives. The kind you might expect to take you to Hogwarts or something, but smaller. It was smaller, not to mention uglier, and a little beat up, like a wounded remnant from a war. Hurry up now, sir, we got a deadline to meet, and we can't wait here all day. Come along, an attendant ushered me in. I was the last one. The train's doors closed, and the engine geared itself for the voyage. Once more, I glanced at my ticket and read those words. Cabin 5A, 5A, 5A. I made my way along the train as it jittered and rustled. That classic pattern wallpaper you see in old hotel rooms plastered the walls. A little torn. And there was music. Yeah, music. It was a little strange, really. It felt a little abnormal. A little Christmassy, though kind of alien, sinister in some way. Whatever it was, it left me a little uneasy. Ah, cabin 5A. The sliding door was shut. I grabbed it with both hands and tugged. It seemed to be stuck. I put in more strength until it finally gave and swung across the side where it banged loudly at its edge. There sat three other passengers, two of them glanced up at me and smiled as if I was a relative meeting them at a family reunion for the first time in a long time. The third was wrapped in a blanket, didn't make a move, was probably asleep. Ah, Leonard, we were wondering when you were going to show up. Made it bloody close, didn't you? The train almost left you behind. One of them greeted me. He was old, and his accent gave him away as a Brit. Not that he was hiding it. He was dressed quite differently, a blackish purple velvet suit that looked like it was from some sort of Victorian aristocrat's wardrobe, pulled through time along with the train. He was expecting Leonard, and for some reason he thought I was him. He must never have met him before. What are the chances of that? Aha, uh, yeah, I guess. I was just running a little late. You know how the traffic is in this place. Uh, actually, we don't. We only recently got here. The other day, in fact, we were waiting on our friend to finish the project before we all met up together. Uh, yeah, okay, I see. I need to be more confident if he's going to believe I'm Leonard. Shouldn't be too hard. I've always had to pretend to be someone else at one point or another, haven't we all? To fit the mold, how far have we gone to be looked upon as one of the gang? 
When they say everybody's special, what they mean is nobody is. And damn you for trying to be. Why can't you be like the rest of us? What makes you better? Be yourself, but don't be better than the rest of us. I've rarely been myself. I can be Leonard. Besides, I have the gift of the gab, remember? Glanced at the other man. He was younger, though older than me. Dressed in a suit that wasn't too flashy, but spoke loudly about his wealth. He waved his hand to the empty seat across him, asking me to sit. Oh, yeah, thanks. A short moment of silence passed. So, Lenny, uh, do you mind if I call you Lenny? No, no, actually, I, I prefer you do. That's what everyone calls me, I responded. Ah, of course. He nodded at the other man. He prefers Lenny. Okay, that was a little odd. Oh, forgive us, Lenny. We've been awfully rude. I'm Harry, and this is Baron. Nice to meet you, Leonard. Ah, yeah, quite. uh, Nice to meet you both. I've been meaning to see you guys. I was looking forward to it, actually. Should I change the way I talk? What kind of person is Leonard? Is he like them? (sighs) Brilliant. I, too, was quite excited to finally meet you, Lenny. I've heard a lot about you. Now, Baron and I were just going over some of the details. I'm sure your cousin prepared you adequately on the topic. He'll be joining us in a short while, at the risk of boring you. Shall I continue? Oh, no, please, uh, go ahead. I really don't mind. Harry looked again, directly into the redden of my eyes. I looked back without flinching. My eyes would not betray me. There could be no doubt that I was who they presumed. Are you familiar with the Coptic Gospel of the Egyptians? Great. History nerds. One of the many classes I flunked. Uh, a little. Now, from those texts, along with the passages found in Greece, we learnt a great deal. We have fragmented pieces of what our forefathers foretold. The heretics of the second century burned and bled for what seems like only whispers of him to survive. After the Thetford Horde was uncovered back in Norfolk, where myself and Baron are from, we realized a lot more of his traces still adorned the earth. What they found was fascinating, really. Those stones... Actually, I'm I'm sorry. I lied. The man looked a little bewildered and spoke. Whatever did you lie? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm a little lost, if I'm honest. I skipped a lot of the reading. I've just been so busy. I had a lot of sleepless nights. I'm, I'm sure you can tell. He replied, Lenny, that is not a problem, though please do not interrupt me when I'm speaking. It's, it's, it's a little rude. A little rude. I guess I need to be more careful with my manners with this guy. I might as well have come out to him that I didn't know a lot. I know my limits. It's better to dilute lies with the truth. Helps them go down easier. Essentially, Lenny, the core of it all is about making the world a better place. That's what we do. We aim to provide order, structure for people, using what we have learned from our past. Yeah, I can get behind that, I agreed. It's a universal ideal. People need routine. They need order. That's why we have governments, rulers, an elite class who tell us what to think. Even in America, the agenda for thought is set and the people follow. Yeah, but at least the rulers are democratically elected, I replied. Are you sure of that, my boy? Why is it that the candidate with the most funding has won every bloody time? Money has become a proof of royalty. You can purchase the nation like just another commodity, which, don't get me wrong, I see no ill in this. Man has a need to be controlled. We just believe that the control can come from elsewhere. Blood will determine rule, not money. 
Man is too corruptible. He will find reason to war based on the most trivial of differences. What if we could eliminate those differences? Utopia. In our lifetime. Uh, hmm. Okay. Yeah, interesting. What the hell is this guy talking about? I nodded my head in agreement. Not to challenge him. So, as I was saying, we found the stones of Abraxas. He was what gave our forefathers order in that forgotten age. They intended to resurrect his memory so that all could unite under his vision. It's actually how your cousin and I met each other. My cousin? Did, did you say he was joining us soon? At our stop in Greenford, right? No, no, he'll be with us soon. He just popped down to the lavatory a few moments ago, actually. Right, this is bad. My cousin will show up at any moment. If he sees me, they're gonna call security. They're gonna think I did something to the real Leonard. Wait a minute. He would have called, texted these two to let them know he'd lost his ticket, right? No, no. I haven't seen either of them check their phones since I arrived. Besides, the signal wouldn't be stable out here. I have to find an excuse to get myself out of here before the other guy arrives. As I was saying, the stones were our first indication that there was more to be found. After we got rid of the excavation team, we were permitted full access to the site under their guise. I need to- Don't interrupt me! Shut your mouth and listen. Shut your goddamn mouth. Listen. What the hell? As I was saying, before you interrupted me so rudely, we found his skin. A high priest who had fostered a piece of his spirit had been preserved in such immaculate form. We were able to collect the tissue from his bones and something's wrong. These guys were starting to freak me out. They're goddamn nuts. Those who would feed on the flesh of a high priest of Abraxas would be able to ascertain a ghost of his power. In combination with the stones, the amulets, and the verses of his sermon, we were able to bring Abraxas back. The god Abraxas the Great Archon, the proprietor of the seven sermons of the dead. The cause and the first archetype, the first principle. Don't you see how beautiful it would be to look upon his face, to wear his face, an honor. It would be an honor to host even a fragment of his spirit. I need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to the bathroom. I got up as quick as I could and rushed towards the door of the cabin, only to be pushed to the floor by a man who burst through. So glad you could make it, Lenny. As I recovered from the shock of being laid between the seats of the cabin, I raised my head to look up to the man who was sitting wrapped in his garbs, cloaked in silence. I was laid there at his feet. He didn't seem like he was asleep. I looked forwards. I looked towards the door at the man who pushed me down. You're, you're alive? It was him. That guy whose store we broke into that night. The one K shot. There is no way he could recover that fast, let alone live. Where do you think you're going, huh? Do you know what you people did to me? He took hold of his right arm and rolled up the sleeve of his trench coat to reveal a prosthetic arm housed within. It was raggedy and his age showed. That bullet obstructed the blood flow to my arm. By the time I got help, necrosis consumed the tissue. You and your friends owe me an arm. Oh, I do need some help with our project. Perhaps he can lend a hand. <laughs> Harry cackled like a maniac. Though the other stood in quiet anger, like a boiling kettle that could shriek its whistle at any moment. I sprung myself on the floor and stumbled towards the door, hoping to tackle past the one-armed guard. I closed my eyes and charged towards him. He swept himself to the side as if he was letting me through, only to grab me by the hair on my head with his one good arm. 
sprawling me down again. His strength was remarkable. Harry stood from his seat. If you try to leave this cabin again or shout for help, I promise to you, look at me. Look at me. I will kill everyone on this train. <laughs> Joseph helped him to his seat. Joseph, the one-armed survivor, walked slowly to my side. Once standing by me, he dug his prosthetic hand into my mouth, planting it like a shovel. I struggled not to choke, pushing it away with my tongue and trying to avert it with my hands, but he just pushed it further and further. A bit hard to try and break off the hook-like fingers. He dragged me near to the seat opposite Harry, then reached for me with his other hand and pulled me to the seat again by my hair. I gasped for air as he took the hand from my mouth. Look, it wasn't even me, okay? I didn't shoot you. I didn't even want to- Boo! Joseph pulled me across the face with his good hand. He used his good hand because he wanted to feel my nose break under the pressure of his fist. He wanted to feel me bleed, to feel me shudder after each hit. As I recovered, I shook like a junkie before his next high. It was a surge of adrenaline, like dark, twisted ecstasy. After each hit, I begged for a chance to speak through slurred words, but he wasn't here to listen. All right, Joseph, that's enough. We don't want to damage the vessel permanently. Joseph raised his hand away from me. He was dressed with my blood and a little of his. The swelling made it look like a beating heart, lacerated and failing with each beat. Joseph sat down on the seats across mine next to Baron. Directly opposite me sat the sleeping stranger. To his right sat Baron. To his left, there was Harry. I noticed that Harry was holding the stranger's hand. In fact, the stranger now looked as if he was sitting up. He was moving slightly, as if heaving through heavy breath, wandering in a wind that the rest of us could not feel. His cloak covered all except the hand that was held by Harry's. It was thin and grey, laced with black lines for veins that branched across it. His nails looked like they had been removed, though fragments remained. The sloppiness told me it had been done to him by force. Those few days after the incident, I did a little research in the place we robbed. Why? I don't know. To torture myself? To find some dirt on the guy so I'd feel better? Maybe. The place was one of those voodoo stores, you know? Like where you go for palm readings and all that crystal ball shit. Just another scammer, if you ask me. But that didn't make me feel any better. I rang every hospital, you know? Every hospital within distance of that place, but nobody came in matching his description. What little I could find of him online told me he used to be a history professor who got fired after allegations of some controversial views about race and eugenics. We know who you are. There is no Leonard. Those men following you, they were one of us. Led you right where we wanted you. That man at the station, he was one of us. He saw you coming, propped up the ticket for you to take. So foolish to believe that circumstance would offer you remorse. We knew you would take it, for it is in your nature, is it not, to thieve. You know, in ancient times, they would cut off the hand of the thief. But we know that the hand of the thief is but one of his tools. There is something far more valuable for the thief. It is his tongue. The tongue of a thief can convince even others to act as the hand. The lies he will tell to protect himself. The tales he will craft to distort a false reality that favors him. I didn't shoot him. I didn't want to rob that store, I swear. I thought it was going to be some franchise mobile. Baron, hold him. I looked to the door and a shout escaped my pulp like lips, though it was strained. Help me, please! Baron dove towards me and covered my mouth with his hands. The leather of his gloves felt nice at first. 
the cool touch of it calmed the heat of my face. He wrapped himself around me strategically. It was effortless, as if he had been trained. It was quiet. Harry was stood by the sliding door, pressing his back to it, with his ear leaned against it, listening. Had someone heard me, or were they coming to save me? I bit down hard, very hard, on Baron's hand. My teeth cut through his gloves and dug into his hand, no reaction from him. I grinded my teeth across his hand. There was blood, but I couldn't be sure if it was his or my own. He was calm throughout it. The door shook. Someone was coming in. The door slid across Harry's back. Uh, is everything okay? And the attendant walked in and paused as he looked at me. My widened eyes crowned by tense, raised eyebrows. A look of pure desperation. Harry slid a blade from under his wrist. It crept through the bottom of the man's jaw, through his tongue into the roof of his mouth. Locking his mouth shut, he convulsed and shook like a fish out of water. Harry pulled the door shut behind him. You see, this is what happens when you get others involved in our affairs. Please tempt me further. Harry threw the man to the floor as he slowly bled to death in front of me. Baron wasted no time. He ushered Henry to a black duffel bag by where they were sat. Harry smiled and limped towards it. He had a limp. I hadn't noticed before. He pulled out some duct tape and an opaque jar. I want to make it clear. Your lies are poison upon our ears. Why do you attempt to poison us? Have we not been courteous guests? <laughs> he opened the jar. Now, close your eyes. Baron pulled open my jaw and Harry threw the contents in my face and into my mouth. Baron quickly squeezed my jaw shut and taped my mouth. What's the matter? Too spicy? Family recipes can often be so difficult to recreate. It never tastes like what mother used to make. <laughs> My face bled red as the mouthful of spices burned like crackling embers. Now where were we? Ah, that's right, yes, yes. Now, you see, when you involve others, they become part of our narrative by association. They share the blame, as do you. No, no, actually, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. A Brexus could be hungry after changing bodies, while keeping his plate warm. Through watered eyes, I looked to the corner of the room. The poor man was being dragged there by Joseph. He was propped to sit in the corner like a children's toy, his head drooping downwards. When it was clear I would otherwise choke to death, Baron let go of me. I ripped off the tape in my mouth, taking some broken skin with it. I spat out the spice and retched. Baron sat nearby and I didn't dare to take a leap for the door again. When he said he'd shoot everyone on the train, I thought of the family sat there, on their way home for Christmas. The kids and I believed he could do it. I had faith in this devil. It's time you are reacquainted. Barry pulled apart the shawl of the cloaked stranger, unveiling his face. It was Kay. His face painted with a smile strained onto it, as if it had been carved into him like a pumpkin on Halloween. There was nothing in his eyes, no trace of anything, just blackness. Like crude oil leaking from his eyes, the smile deconstructed to a light frown, his eyes widened to a glare in my direction. What the hell have you done? What have you done to him? Yes, I admit, it's not very pretty to look at, but that's his own fault. You see, the process is not perfect. Not yet. I longed for the honest house to Grey on, and for a moment, I did. Though my body was not enough. He unbuttoned his jacket and took off his sweater. Then he started to unbutton his shirt to reveal his belly. It was corroded. 
like it had been bathed with acid. It looked like minced meat. You see, as Abraxas cannot sustain himself, he begins to eat away at the host. By the time we realize this, he left me broken. He requires a young, healthy body that can satiate and withstand his hunger. It's a great honor. Your friend here looks the way he does because of the poisons he has subjected his body to. The narcotics. He has cursed his own being, and it has perverted the glow of Abraxas. God and demon, the being from the sun, without retrograde, always in forward motion. It's a great honor, really. Bring him. Kay, who was wrapped ceremoniously, whispered and pierced the air of the room. Once again, Baron took a hold of me, this time by my neck. She took me towards what used to be Kay. I begged through cries for him to stop. The stench of ash and rot filled my nose as I got closer. Wait, if this is what you did to Kay? What happened to the other guy? Lemon, is, is he like this, too? I asked the room. You see, Abraxas consumed him when he awoke in this fellow's body. Lemon? How does a man get that name, I wonder? Really, you must tell me. It sounds like quite a story. Abraxas. Did he taste like lemon to you? <laughs> Kay held out his arms and opened his mouth, laughing through a dry chest. <laughs> he sounded like an asthmatic. As he prepared to grab me, as I was pushed towards him, he embraced me lightly. My skin tingled as it did. This wasn't Kay, no. Something happened as he took me into his arms. I felt peace. Quiet serenity. It was the day she died. When they first told me, I, I didn't really react. I sat and I just, I just thought about it. I knew it was inevitable. I didn't cry, not, not at first. I hadn't accepted it. That day, I lay in her bed and forgot. I dreamed with open eyes. A dangerous thing. A life where she could come back to me. Any moment, the refrigerator would be full again. I dreamt of another life. A life, a life where I was someone else. I was a stranger who sat in the train. I sank into the embrace of whatever helped me. She killed herself, you know. <laughs> I snapped out of it. I pushed myself back and looked at Kay's face. This thing's face was wet with tears. Tears from laughter. It burst out a wicked chuckle. I saw hatred and fire in the blank eyes of the beast. Its grip had firmed itself as part of me. It was wrapping around my body like a king. King Cobra. I hadn't noticed while in that trance. But behind me, the others had gathered to recite something, chanting in a language too foreign to me. Harry approached Kay with a knife and sliced into his shoulder, letting it bleed across its chest and down its back. The creature held me closer and pushed my face into the wound, its hand on the back of my head, nurturing me as if I were an infant being cradled and fed. My mouth was so dry. I pined for water, anything, anything. Instead of otherwise suffocating and drowning in the blood gushing from his shoulder, I drank. I quenched my thirst. At first, it was just to cool my tongue. Disgusted, I tried to push away, even beating and flailing my fists at his head, to no effect. The blood filled my nose, anywhere I could find passage through my face, into my eyes as he rubbed them into the wound. That was when I accepted it. Something came over me. I dug into his wounded shoulder with my teeth. I tore at it and chewed, slurping its blood, digging into the flesh like uncooked chicken. I 
tasted like cold bones and ice water. The taste of blood changed with each gulp. With each gulp of its blood, I regained strength. The others began to realize what I had figured out. They wanted to slowly fill my stomach with what would turn me into what Kay was. But I took it all, all at once. I turned to his neck and chewed on the juggler. The bliss of red rain running into the sandy plains of my throat. I realized, I realized that the strength they was giving me could become the thing that could save me. They pulled at me, trying to take me away, away from what I've needed all my life. I was in control. Baron cocked his gun and pointed it at my head. Careful! You can't kill him. He is the vessel. The only stone we had went into this ghost of our lord. I jumped back from Kay's corpse. Baron stumbled and fell back. I took my chance and ran for the door, pulling it back and darting into the corridor. Harry took Baron's gun and followed my exit. Standing in the corridor, I stopped a few meters away from him and turned to look back at him, dripping in red. Come back now, or I will kill everyone on this train. There are children on this train, boy. Families. I stood in silence, heaving silently. I turned away from him. You have forced my hand, boy. There's an emergency. Everyone, leave your cabins. I ran down the corridor and looked for the exit. Merry Christmas. Screams ran behind me. The further I got, they seemed to catch up. I heard bodies fall, children cry. My heart dropped with each roar of Harry's gun, but I, I, I couldn't stop running. The train screeched itself to a stop as I pulled the emergency brake. I opened the nearest door and fled the train. I took off into the woods where we were stranded. Darkness had fallen past the trees. I made my escape behind me. They're behind me. They're following. Something's inside of me. Here we go now. Whatever you do, you can't slow down. Find a road and head back to town, dancing in the trees' lunacy. I leave behind me flowers of red. They won't find me living, rather dead. I swear I won't let them take me. My head full of knives, symptoms of crimes, running out of time. Drums of death fading away. Drums in my chest beating away. Ringing my head, never fading away. I ran to the road, hands wet with proof, guilty, frantic, and the rest. Fog masking my line of sight. Head still shaking like I've been doing lines of white. Rushing in my blood, it's fight or flight. Light. Headlights glare and take me to the ground. My time to go. No more sound. The next day I awoke. White walls. What was that smell? I was in a hospital bed. Tubes in my arms, plugged to the mains, a ghost in the shell. Ah, you're awake. Please, uh, don't get up. You were in a car accident. Someone brought you in. Drove you themselves. Didn't even wait for an ambulance, which is good. Who knows what kind of state you'd be in now if she waited. Uh, it was that bad? I replied to the man. No, actually, there's, there's more to it. There was a kind of poison in your blood. Now, I need to ask you some questions about your drug history. I'll be right back with some forms. As soon as he left the room, I unplugged myself and stood from the bed. That ringing in my head was gone. Poison? Yeah, it makes sense. Those crazy freaks were going on and on about demons and possession when it was just poison. All that 
weird shit, the black eyes. It was a reaction to poison. That strength? <laughs> I was so worked up, that was probably the adrenaline. Demons. There's no such thing, right? Right? I needed to borrow some clothes. They probably threw mine away. They were drenched. There was another man in my room. Old. He was really old. His skin looked like a mask you could just peel off. Like it would tear so easily. I looked in his wardrobe and took out some of his clothes and put them on. He looked at me. Ah! The ringing came back. It was, it was louder. I had to leave. My stomach rumbled and ached. Why was I so hungry? What was he, 90? Look at that poor guy. Terminal. I would know. He's suffering alive. I grabbed the pillow on my bed. Why won't you just shut up? I left the room when it was quiet. I headed across the hall, down the elevator, and outside the front entrance. It was time to go home. The other day I was thinking about the whole thing. What kind of man could be taken by devils? What kind of man would give himself to them? Those guys must have been deluded. There's no such thing as demons or devils for that matter. I'm still me. There's nothing inside of me. Though I've noticed things and it really worries me. I was sitting on a train the other day and there was a woman with a baby. It was crying, screeching, and shrieking when it took sight of me. It couldn't stand to look at me without screaming. Even the damn dog that was set on the floor barked at me like it was afraid. Afraid of what? God damn it, there's nothing wrong with me. It made me so angry. That blasted screaming ringing in my ear again. I couldn't stand it. The ringing. I wanted to walk over there and tear its goddamn head off. Everyone was staring at me. Like I was doing something wrong. Like I had blood on my hands. I wanted to tear out their eyes. Drink straight from their sockets. Sometimes I feel so thirsty. But come on, everybody feels that way sometimes. Right? Channel 5 News. Reports are now coming in regarding the Christmas Eve train massacre that took place last night. Fifteen have now been confirmed dead at the scene of the crime. Primarily from gunshot wounds. The train was headed to Greenford Interchange. Police are investigating a suspect who had been involved in a car accident in the vicinity of the massacre. At Northley General Hospital, an elderly man, Robert Price, had been discovered to have been suffocated by the man involved in the car accident who had been admitted for recovery in the same room. From surveillance footage, we have identified his face. Though so far, he has not been located. Please, if you see this man, contact the authorities. Do not approach him. Now, back to you, Tom. That was Interchange, written and narrated by Shazza Shah. Music by So Frozen Music. If you enjoyed the story, check out dreadcastaudio.com where you can find out how to support the show and follow us on social media. 
Remember to rate the podcast and share it with your friends. And as always, thank you for listening.